When you don't know the words, so you just blame the Jews. Ba 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 ba. I don't know why. Gotta make it uncomfortable. Forever. Thanks, Winston. Uh, it's not like I'm trying to do the intro to the show right now. Welcome to the Nightmare Box. Presenting mistakes were made. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the please turn now, Kristen Pennington. <laughs> I know how to drive. Kristen got lost on the way home. <laughs> I wasn't lost. I just went the wrong way and I didn't realize I had done it until it was too late to undo it. We're here. I know how to get home. Um, and we're here bringing you guys another post-work edition of two, 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 star, 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 two, 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 days, days, days. Let <laughs> me make that a sound drop. Yeah, we need to. Um, guys, please, for the love of Christ. Um, <laughs> <laughs> trying to catch a rhythm here. It wouldn't be our podcast That's it. if somebody wasn't sabotaging a it. A minute 15. I'm giving up on my career. <laughs> I got home. I wrote a shitload. I researched the movie. Got a shower. Poured a beer. And, and now, it all went to shit. Now they're trying to turn on me. It's all falling apart. You know why it is? Why? It's because our sons are possessed. Just like the 2017 classic that we're going to go over today. Little Evil. <laughs> um, if you guys don't know what we're doing here on the Two Star Tuesdays, um, go watch the film. We're going to ruin it. Um, it <laughs> Immediately, like we're just gonna start telling you shit, and it won't be as much fun. So the idea of the two star is go watch it with you know your lovely significant other or your masturbatory self, and um, then come back and listen to the episode and, and see what you can learn or what you can find out or you know ruin it and go back and watch for what we talk about because that might be fun too. I don't know. I've never listened to a show like this. <laughs> catch things we missed feel free to send us an email at? about all the things that you loved or hated about this movie <laughs> uh at nightmareboxproductions at gmail fuck yeah so we uh once again cheated a bit just a tiny bit but we did it as a palate cleanser because for the love of god await further instructions maybe want to scrape out my uh, eyeballs and yeah that one was real fill bad. them with my testicles real real bad so, um, usually the way that we do this, if you haven't heard any of them before, we, it's called Two Star Tuesday because we originally <laughs> started doing these when uh, Netflix still had a star rating system yeah. and anything. Back when the world made sense. <laughs> anything under three stars was mm-hmm. uh, a film up for grabs for Two Star Tuesday. And um, literally after, I think, the first film. Uh, Netflix. It was pretty changed. close. It was definitely within the first month. So, yeah. like the first, at least within the first five, they changed their format. Yeah, and, and now uh, we're on like episode sixty, and we're sticking to it. Sticking to the name because I like it. <laughs> uh, Netflix changed to the thumbs up, thumbs down. So we decided to start going by the Rotten Tomatoes critic reviews yeah. normally. If it's below fifty percent, we're counting it as a mostly hated film. Mm-hmm. Um, much like uh, Await Further Instructions, though, we reversed it this time and picked a movie that the audience mostly hated and the critics a- critics actually liked. Yeah. And um, the critics who watched Await Further Instructions are idiots, but uh, <laughs> the critics who watched Little Evil, I'm yeah. all right with Yeah, I know. I'm 100% down for them. I thought you were... I, I confused those movies in my head for a second. I was like, did you hate it? I thought we had a blast. <laughs> No. No. Uh, wait, further instructions had the worst critics that have ever existed because they somehow liked that film. Uh, <laughs> Little Evil, if you want to give us the ratings, what did it score? Uh, on IMDb, we got a 5.7, so it's still technically within the uh, much-questioned icebreaker of the IMDb wheelhouse. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it got a 92% on the critic score, which... I would put the movie pretty damn close to. We had a personal match on Netflix at 83%, and I would put it somewhere between that 83 and 92. Um, And then the audience scored it at 46%. Did not like it. Didn't love it. I'd like to know what the fuck your problem is. Yeah, I will fight you. Again, I know I offer to fight the fans. (laughs) (laughs) On occasion, I'm like, I will fly you out here and beat your ass in the airport and put you on a plane and send you back home if you did not enjoy this movie because it was so much fucking fun. It was fun. We had steaks and watched 
yeah. Little Evil, and it was a blast. It was. I, I was blasted by the end of the movie, <laughs> but I was laughing my dick off. <laughs> you want to go blow up a nunnery? Almost killed me. <laughs> the whole fucking final scene of this film. Like, the whole... The, I'm going to save my line that I liked for when we get to my goods, because it's in my goods. <laughs> I don't remember the exact line, but I will semi-quote it to you. Uh, this was produced by Bluegrass Films and Mandalay Pictures. You know Mandalay? I'm familiar with the name, but yeah. I don't know offhand anything. That it's that massive shooting in Las Vegas where we still don't have a motive and Epstein didn't hang himself. Oh, <laughs> this was written and directed by Eli Craig of uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. He had a couple other credit credits on there, but that's the one that stood out the most. He did, um, by the way, because we watched uh, Zombieland earlier in the week. Um he directed, apparently there's a Zombieland TV show that ran for a couple of seasons and he directed the Zombieland series that was supposed to run alongside the movie. I did not know that. Never even heard of it. Yeah. But he did that. Maybe not so much a success. (laughs) Might have been a Hulu thing. (laughs) Another interesting fact about Eli, uh, his mother is one of the actors in this movie. He is son to the great Sally Field. The great Sally Field, who we may know from. Uh, I feel like anyone in my age generation definitely knows her from Forrest Gump. For, uh, anybody should know her from Forrest <laughs> Gump. If you've Some not people seen may not. that, break She was also in Spider-Man, so children might be like, oh, yeah. that's the aunt from the first Spider-Man. But she played Forrest's mom, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, she was also in Still Magnolias, which that's probably more mm-hmm. our parents' generation. Um, like I said, kids. It's like my mom's favorite movie. Yeah, kids mm-hmm. nowadays might relate more to the fact that she was the original Aunt May. And, well, I guess that was kind of our generation, too, because that was the Spider-Man that came out when I was younger. But whatever. She was Aunt May. Yeah, in the very first Spider-Man yeah. that she was. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even realize that. You had to point <laughs> out that it was Forrest Gump, and then that's all I could see while uh-huh. it was happening. Uh, but there are so many people in this movie. We've We've... Basically bottomed the list out to the main players in the film, but everybody on this film, for the most part, has extensive credits. You've seen them in TV shows, if nothing else, commercials. A lot of comedians. Loads of comedians. Um, So we'll just get, yeah, we'll do the characters and then the synopsis. First, um, this was distributed by Netflix. I found a budget. They spent. You found the budget. I did not find what they earned. I found what they spent. They spent $7.5 million to make this movie. I don't know what they earned from it because Netflix, again, Netflix is buries that. a little <laughs> stingy about uh, their numbers. So, um, And the Netflix films, which may be part of it, I'm assuming, go straight to Netflix. Yeah. So I don't know how you really add up what they earn from it. Maybe it's by Netflix subscribers. I don't know how mm-hmm. they qualify what... The movie well, earns? Like, they're really screwy with their numbers. Like, they don't even tell, like, when the comedians um, put out their specials, they don't give the numbers to the comedians. They don't tell, for example, because this is probably where I heard it from, they don't tell Joe Rogan what his numbers were on Strange Times. Hmm. Uh, so, That's interesting. Yeah. The, what they talk about on the comedy podcasts quite a bit is... Um, they think that they do it so that the comedians have less negotiating power, like in a weird way. Hmm. Like, we're going to offer you X amount of money and you can't go, but five million people loved that. So That's kind of a bummer. Yeah. But yeah, um, star-studded cast and they dropped $7.5 to have that. God damn right. <laughs> they earned it. I mean, the, I, there's no way they didn't get that back in one way or another. It, it was a damn good film. Uh. I don't know if it kept... I mean, Anything. nothing's keeping Netflix alive. Netflix is keeping itself alive <laughs> yeah. as a whole. But. <laughs> I don't know. It came out in 2017, and I'd never heard of it at all until we stumbled across it. But if you have also never heard of it, damn good movie. Yeah, definitely go watch it. All right. But Let's the, get into it. Yeah, the, the film centers on these characters. So you've got Samantha. She plays the mother. Uh, she's played by Evangeline Lilly. She played Kate Austin in Lost, and you knew her from somewhere else, um, right? She, pl- I can't remember offhand the character's name. It's like Toril or something like that. I'm butchering the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, she played an elf in The Hobbit, and she also plays Wasp in Ant-Man. Fuck yeah. So I saw the Ant-Man credits, but I was like, I'd never seen Ant-Man. So. <laughs> she plays a Wasp in Ant-Man. Very so. cool. 
Uh, Lucas plays the son. I didn't write his name down, but god damn, that kid was brilliant. I wrote it down. He's he's not really got any significant credits, but I wrote it down just because he was an adorable little fuck. Yeah. Uh, Owen <laughs> Atlas. He's mostly done short films. I think he had been in, ironically, one episode of Bunked, which was... Uh, the kid mm-hmm. from In the Tall Grass. I told you I recognized him. Oh, he really? was in the TV show Bunked as well. So that's a Disney TV show. Um, I think Superior actor. Yeah, I think Owen had only <laughs> ever been in one episode of Bunked. But for a kid who has next to no credits, he's mostly done short films. Adorable He was kid. fucking brilliant. I, I loved him in this. Uh, then we had Gary, who was played by Adam Scott. You said Adam Scott. I said Adam who, so I'm going to let you do that. <laughs> Adam Scott is in Parks and Rec. He's done a lot of other things, he but was, Parks and Rec is a kick-ass show. He was Derek in Step Brothers. Uh, he was also in, uh, which I told you that last night, that uh, horror movie Krampus, which I'm not saying mm-hmm. that's a great movie mm-hmm. by any means. Might wind but up in our two in stars in the coming <laughs> yeah. December. But Parks and Recreation, kick-ass TV show. He uh, played Ben in it. Fuck yeah. Now we got Al, who is Kristen's <laughs> favorite character in the entire film. Uh, and he is played by Bridget Everett. Um, ironically, I, I told you that it bothered me that um, women that tend to be of a larger size mm-hmm. kind of get stereotyped into these um Roles where they're kind of the bro. Yeah, they're either butch lesbians or, like, <laughs> transitioning transsexuals. Yeah, and I, I looked up uh, Bridget Everett, and she hadn't really done much of anything that I knew, but I have seen the Amy Schumer Inside movie. Amy Schumer? No, the Amy Schumer movie Trainwreck, oh. and uh, Bridget was in Trainwreck, which I don't... I wasn't looking for her because I didn't know who she was at the time, so I don't know who she plays in Trainwreck, but I have seen a movie she's been in before and did not realize. So. Well, she was also in Inside Amy Schumer. Um, so I guess they're pals, maybe yeah. probably fellow comedians that are kind of getting stereotyped into certain roles. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Melissa... Is it McCarthy? Is that her last name? McCarthy? What is her last name? McCartney. McCartney. Okay, yeah. I think she probably got it the worst out of anyone, but she is a funny ass lady. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Bridget Everett crushed this film. Yeah, was, she was, or, yeah, she was so funny playing him. I'm going to be careful with my, my I words. Think, Apologize. I honestly... I don't know if that was, yeah, I'm very confused. <laughs> I honestly think in this film, which I could be wrong, and I'm not trying to be offensive, that she was legitimately just... Identifying the... as a male. Well, no, I don't think she was. Like, I got the... She kept Im- saying bro. She called herself a stepdad. Yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> she did. But I, I got the impression that it was honestly just a lesbian couple and she was the masculine partner. Yeah. Which I could be wrong. I'm not trying to be offensive, but I, it didn't give me, like, she was trying to be a trans person vibe. Yeah. It's part of the joke, I think, is that they yeah. left it ambiguous. <laughs> like, she's definitely a woman who Because whenever she first says she's a step-parent, she goes, I'm a step, and he was like... Dad? Dad. <laughs> yeah, bro. Um, the next one I've got on my list is Reverend J.D. Gospel. Um, you might know him from one of my favorite films, The Shawshank Redemption. He plays Captain Hadley. His name is Clancy Brown. Clancy Clancy Brown. I've misspelled it on my sheet. I was like, uh, why did I write an A? Clan A. Clan A <laughs> Brown. A. I'm happy you, you read it off. Clancy Brown. Um, Miss Shylock, the yeah per- child protective services lady who is not the child protective <laughs> services lady, is Sally Field. Um, and again, we said she was Forrest Gump, the mother of the director, a yeah. uh, very accomplished actress, and ironically in not much of the film. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there are a lot of really cool cameos. Um, um, it, while I'm thinking about it, Eli Craig was the guy at the Derby race at the end of the film yeah, he's he also the writer and director so he did his own little craven-esque you know <laughs> i'm, in, here, I'm in the movie i'm the janitor <laughs> um then we've got wayne he's played by chris D'Elia. if you've never heard of chris D'Elia, go look him up right now he's <laughs> fucking hilarious and you should definitely check him out um and the yeah so wayne victor larry and al are the support group friends victor is played by Kynel Bornheimer. I was not very familiar with anything he'd been in before. Uh, but then there's the Turk! <laughs> Fucking Larry. Played by Donald Faison. 
Faison. However, the it's probably not Faison. He's a black male living in America. <laughs> He's not a Spanish guy living in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> but he played the surgeon, Dr. Christopher Turk, in arguably my favorite TV show next to the Twilight Zone, Scrubs. <laughs> I have seen Scrubs more than I've seen The Office, and you know what you're wearing right now? It's a plain white t-shirt. <laughs> I was like, what am I wearing? I'm wearing a striped shirt. <laughs> Know where you're going with that. We had a whole talk about it last night. That I don't understand why that's my favorite. I don't either. It's like 12 seasons long, and my favorite <laughs> joke in the entire show is when JD does the <laughs> through the window in the door, and he sees Dr. Cox, and he's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I like your shirt. It's a plain white T-shirt." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what kind of shirt is that? It's a white T-shirt. <laughs> Um, I didn't write down any of their names, but there are uh, the actors that aren't necessarily um, comedians. There are a lot of about scrubs. <laughs> there are a lot of actors in this that are from different TV yeah. series. Um, Samantha's friend that comes over to kind of help when they're doing the interview with the uh, child services lady played in Bones. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know her character's name offhand, but um, and then there was one of the guys from. Modern Family that was also in the friend group. So a lot of actors who have a lot of accomplished yeah, credits in their own right on very successful shows. Hilarious people, people from dramas. We just kept pointing at the screen going, that fucking dude! Like, that was half the movie. Turn my page noisily <laughs> into the mic. You got our synopsis? Uh, I didn't write anything down, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. You think you can wing it? So, um, Gary... Boy meets girl. Gary meets Samantha. Uh, falls in love. Uh, they decide to get married, and Gary doesn't really get to know Samantha's son, Lucas, until pretty much after the deal is done. And um, definitely getting some strange vibes from Lucas. Uh, turns out Lucas may or may not be the Antichrist. And uh, does Gary kill Lucas? Does Gary save Lucas? Is Gary the devil incarnate? I, we don't know. But we have a star-studded group of friends to help figure this situation out. The old Scooby-Doo-esque. <laughs> <laughs> I love this fucking film. Uh, we're going to get into the goods. I've, I loved this movie on so many different levels that even in... This is going to be one of those rare films where we're going to be in the bads. And I'm going to be like, but you remember when that happened? It like come like... So before we even get into this, most of the time we've got like three goods a piece and then we scream into the microphone for 45 minutes. Uh, this is going to sound like I'm jerking off on Eli Craig's head. Like I'm like mushing it into his hair and making it all matted. Because this was a beautiful brainchild and yeah, is... I could not agree more with the critic score. Exactly the reverse of our last one. I had to reach to find bads and they're just kind of <laughs> meh. I wasn't that mad about it. Well, I wasn't that upset. It makes sense. Because we don't do, and this might be the first time we've done this, since Stitches. We don't do a lot of horror comedy films. And there's a lot. I hated Stitches. (laughs) I love Stitches. Let's throw that back out there again. I hated (laughs) Stitches. Um, But there's a lot you can get away with in a horror comedy that you can't get away with in a traditional horror film. Uh, Both story-wise and scare-wise. Like, you can go over the top, make it scary and hilarious at the same exact time. The characters are purposely not developed to the level that you need to get that true horror, like, attachment. Um, it's just pure entertainment. It's, it's its own genre all by itself, and I think that's why I enjoy these films. Mm-hmm. So much. We watched Zombie Land earlier in the week. I already said that. Um, <laughs> that was a fun one. And too. I think it put me in the mood for something exactly like this. So. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on the genre before we dive into the goods of the particular film? Uh, not really, no. Do you think it gives you like any sort of artistic license to shoot in a different way, or? I mean. I... And I, I think depending on where you're going with it, it's going to be a vastly different film. Like Stitches is a completely <laughs> different movie than this movie. Um, 
I think it yeah, does. Nobody slides on a banana peel and <laughs> impales the back of their head twice on the same knife. <laughs> I think it does give you a lot more license to be a little absurd, though. And um, different movies will take it different places. Like mm-hmm. uh, Scream, for instance, I guess is kind of a movie that pokes fun at yeah. itself, too. It's not necessarily a comedy by any means, but it is a movie that knows when it's making fun. Yeah. And... Um, on the other side of that, we ended up with Scary Movie, or the Scary Movie series. You know, it, it is a horror yeah. comedy type film. Take my strong hand. <laughs> horror comedy film that's very much making fun of itself. Uh, Stitches was very much making fun of itself. And um, this film was making fun of itself and a lot of other films. But a lot of it, I felt like, was in the writing. So a massive credit to the writing. This was not a film that used a ton of cheap tricks or... Yeah you know, weird, ridiculous gimmicks to make you laugh. This was a film that was just clever and witty. And I Mm -hmm. think that genre in general is, like I said, a genre that lets you kind of play and Stitches took it in the, the CGI, the, the, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, cheap tricks route where it was just above and beyond ridiculous. And this one stuck to, it stuck to its premise. Yeah. Like subtle, like really nailed it when it wanted. And then a little silly at other times. Mm -hmm. So it's just a fun genre. Yeah. Um, well, fuck. That means I got to eliminate one of my bads because I just had a thought halfway through it. Like, <laughs> I'll, I'll Damn, I can't be mad at this movie. No, I can't. It's impossible. I thought it was <laughs> fucking hilarious. So you want to start us off on the goods? Sure. Um, first and foremost, it's just a clever, fun, funny film. Oh, it's um, Massive credit to the writing. It mm. is... A movie that takes a bit of license from other films, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Well, but, that's um, in my goods, so we can get into yeah. it right here in a second. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I guess we can go ahead and knock that out. Um, no, it's... You do you. Follow your <laughs> list. Don't take my list. <laughs> well, I have that listed as my last good, because it's just it, it, it pays homage to a lot of mm-hmm. really classic movies, and I feel like that's kind of where I want to end uh, this category. But, yeah, just a, a fun, fucking hilarious film. A lot of... Yeah. Clever lines, great acting, just a well-rounded, well-done, kind of silly, fun film. Like, all the characters are consistent. Their drives are all consistent. The world that they live in is consistent. Nobody seems to notice that fucking freaky-ass Lucas is doing this shit, except for the people inside of the immediate circle, so it gets that, like, omen-esque... It only happens when you're paying attention, or is he just paranoid... It, it it plays within its own comedic obscurity. <laughs> it it does well. lean fairly heavily on Omen, though. It is yeah. a bit of a parody to Omen, in my opinion. Um, not mad about it, though. No, other other films have done it. Except from the beginning, the kid looks like the kid. From yeah. the, he looks <laughs> just like Damien. Like uh, I thought his name was Damien, but it, it's <laughs> Lucas. Um, the fucking teacher goes out the window just like the i think it's the nurse or the maid in the omen goes out the window in quite a while yeah well, we're revisiting the <laughs> omen. this is definitely a film that is tailored a bit to the omen but yeah. again not mad at other movies have done it before and it was done well uh i think my first good is gotta be carl the wedding photographer <laughs> Because he is the embodiment of Mistakes Were Made podcast inside of a human being. Like, like he was trying to Martin Scorsese the entire <laughs> shot. He's like, why do you... You don't own a tripod? You don't own a tripod? The tripod's in the corner, right it's inside the shot. Like, the joke's kind of like Carl's just a pretentious dick. Like, <laughs> showed him shoulder holstered the whole thing. And he starts, like, picking it apart, like, playing things in reverse. He's like, no, would you do this? She did this. And I was like, that's us. That is us in a character in a film. He was like, you know how when the the preacher started speaking Latin? Well, I knew it wasn't Latin. (laughs) As a filmmaker, I've got an ear for languages. Uh, That was my favorite line of that scene. Not my favorite line of the whole movie, but yeah. As a filmmaker, I have an ear for languages. (laughs) Carl's a motherfucker. I was losing it the whole time we were watching it. Like, he was flipping out about, like, what was it? His son or his nephew's obsession with, like, a whole series of films. And he's like, and they're shit. You know why they're shit? This why. X, Y, Z. The cats are in and out of boxes. Um, No, I... My first good is Carl. I think... 
you know, he's a minor character. He's only there for like one scene in the entire film. It's the it's the catalyst scene, so that mm-hmm. you know, uh, Gary can learn that. Film. Yeah, so Gary can learn that Lucas is possessed. But um, holy mother of fuck, if that's not us intertwined in one person. <laughs> I do wish Carl had been in more of the film. I wish they had given him more than I just that one scene. I wish he was part of the group. Like yeah. if he was part of the stepfather's like if he had group. Along. Yeah, I don't get along with my nephew. Let me go hang out in the stepfather's group to like learn how to bond with kids. <laughs> but I, I like how even though. It's like a serious thing. They're like, the kid's possessed. It might be the end of the world. He's still trying to tag along to shoot more. He's like, we can yeah. bring the tripod. We can bring the tripod. Filmmaker to the end. The world's ending, but let me film it. Yeah, I gotta get it down on video, dude. Nobody's gonna believe it. Do it for the grabs. <laughs> he was a hilarious character. Again, funny, funny lines. A lot of, like, punchy one-liners. Uh, uh, Throughout, no, this thing could have been written by Stephen fucking Wright. This is brilliant. Go ahead. What you got next? Um, definitely the fact, which I, I'm going to call back to this again when I get to my bads, I guess. But um, definitely the fact that it is a star-studded cast. There are really not any actors mm-hmm. in this movie outside of the extras that are just background characters that aren't in something. So, no bad acting anywhere in this film. The um, whole film felt like, oh, you know what I'm... Ooh. What? Thought, and I don't want to put it down on, as they say in the urban community, I don't want to put it on wax. Um, <laughs> I've never heard that <clears throat> phrase, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of... No. Um, <laughs> I think you're just making shit up. Was Chris D'Elia in Zombievers? Oh. I'm thinking right now, this whole film, right feels a lot like that scene with Bill Burr. Yeah, that was John Mayer. It was John Mayer. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, then I'm happy I did not put it on wax. <laughs> no, but it felt Mayer. like that whole scene with Bill Burr and John Mayer in the van, like where it was just natural funny. Like mm-hmm. you almost just turn the camera on and let him roll. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the film just Which felt I'm sure, like that. I'm sure some of the lines probably were ad lib, honestly. Yeah, I'm... let's go blow up that nunnery <laughs> is not something that you <laughs> <laughs> I want a tattoo that says, let's go blow up that nutter. <laughs> yeah, I, I, hands down, a well-acted film all around. Yeah. Even the characters that weren't in the film very much uh, crushed it. Mm-hmm. It felt very, very natural. My one complaint on that, and I don't want to dive into the bads just yet, is the Samantha. Like, I, I had a... It, thanks, Jax. Um... <laughs> No, it's literally one of my bats. So I'll, yeah, I'll save that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Jack's not right now. You gotta lay down, but we're not playing right now. Lay down. Um, I guess my number two. The film feels like a four-act film in a way, mm-hmm. um, but it covers all of those bases without stalling out at any particular point. There was in the like third act. I was sitting there like, okay, are we clicking our heels waiting for the big finish? Uh, but it was only like five minutes in the entire thing where I was like, get it going. Like, come on, don't stall on me. Yeah. And then they hit the big finish. But it, it manages like that four-act structure, um, maybe even a five-act structure, without losing momentum. Unlike this podcast where my... Dog. dog is sabotaging it slowly. And dings his head off the fucking table and the whole conversation <laughs> falls to shit. I'll just cross that one off my list. And you have what to my love? Um, <laughs> You're the only other person here. <laughs> you didn't care. You didn't need to say nobody. Like There's fucking Sorry. thousands of people listening to this show. <laughs> I was teasing. I was teasing and you knew it. Don't be a dick. Dogs uh, give me a panic attack. Here pretty we go film. Again. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I thought this shot was really pretty. No. Pretty, pretty. Kristen's pretty drop. I don't know that I would say it was a pretty film per se. Um, really cool shots and effects though. There, yeah. wa- there wasn't any particular shot where I was like, oh, that's a beautiful shot. It was just a lot of like, well, that was neat. He's uh, in the principal's office and the metronome just suddenly stops and that was super neat. Bam. Um, when he it's goes called to, a Newtonian perpetual motion. 
mm. I think is what that thing is. I, I wrote that down. I said principal's office dash Newtonian prince, perpetual motion thingy stops. There you go. Um, whenever he this goes to... <laughs> whenever he goes to tuck Lucas in, he goes from this very warm downstairs area mm-hmm. and then just turns and it's suddenly completely different lighting, completely different area of the house and then all the lights kick off. Like... A lot of just really cool effects that were, like, really well done. It didn't look like cheesy, terrible CGI. I think that they tie into the bigger thing um, with the homage in a lot of parts, but we'll get to that in just a second because I want to talk about the homages. But a lot of the shots felt like... And if if you're not paying attention to filmmaker styles, like, so we'll put a pin in this... um, if you're not paying attention to the filmmaker's styles, then you don't pick up on the subtleties in the direction choices in this movie. But we'll get right back to that. Continue <laughs> your thought. I'm sorry. Oh, I mean, that's honestly kind of just where I was going. Like I said, I, I don't know that I would call it a a pretty film. Like, yeah. I, I tend to refer to other movies. It was definitely a well-done film. Like, a, there were no shots where I was like, oh, that looks like shit. There were no shots where I was like, oh, that's I think stunning. there was only, like, but... one harsh edit in the entire thing where we are like, well, that was a bit much but i can't remember exactly what it was and that's another one of my goods actually um the first one the first time they did it i think caught me off guard but they play on that a lot there's a lot of series of harsh back-to-back edits where they're like doing things like making a beer or whatever in it making a beer yeah like whenever they um pouring a beer yeah, you know what I mean. Stop being, being a it's dick. Like, did he have a hobby on the side yeah, that I missed six months of this movie? <laughs> you knew what I meant no. by that. Um, but there's a lot of like harsh edits back to back like that where it essentially moves the film into whatever yeah. the next thing is. So um, that was actually one of my goods. The first one put me off, but when I realized like, oh, they're using that as a tactic to be like, we're jumping into the next thing. I was like, okay, like that's actually kind of a cool effect that they're doing and. Other films have definitely done it before. It's not the first time I've ever seen it done, but most films don't do it as often mm-hmm. as they did it, and they don't use it as frequently as a device. Device, sorry, uh, to carry into what kind of feels like, I guess, the next act of the film. It's like, yeah. okay, we're done here. Let's move on. Like it doesn't feel as choppy. It all kind of flows into itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it's pretty much only used when they're moving on from whatever just happened in the film into the next stage. So it's actually a neat way of being like, okay, let's move on. Speaking of moving on, no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, my last one before we discuss the homage. How many more do you have before the homage? Pretty much down to the homage. You got anything else? No, I got like, it's just hilarious characters and hilarious lines, but oh, we kind of no, covered go, that already. No. You slam dunk those because I've got one more and then we can dive into the homage. I mean, we pretty much covered that already. Just a lot of funny actors, a lot of really funny lines in this movie, which I guess I could throw out my favorite line at that. Fuck um, yeah, do that. <laughs> Set they, up the scene. Where are we at? <laughs> they, uh, it's pretty much towards the end of the film. They go to the church and um, Gary punches Sally Field's character <laughs> twice because you got to double tap as we learned from Zombieland. <laughs> And then uh, Samantha punches the reverend, and I can't remember which character says it, but one of the stepdad's group characters goes, you both punch really well. Like when someone runs up to you at a church. (laughs) I don't know why, but that made me laugh. Like the idea of people just running up to you at church and you're like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) You're not doing like the classic handshake talking over the aisle. Fuck you. <laughs> and peace be with you. And peace be with you. Like, peace be with you. Eat a dick. My last one before the homage is um, I loved the, and this is going to sound like a ridiculous thing coming out of my mouth given everything I've said into a microphone over the past year or so, um, is the bonding between Gary and Lucas at the water park. Uh, it's also in my bads because I have a problem with it. Um, but I thought it was hilarious and heartwarming, like all at the same time, like it, it would have made a brilliant ending to the film, um, if it needed to end there, it was shot in a lot of warm 
things and a lot of really subtle details outside of you know him trying to drown Lucas. There's <laughs> like a little montage sequence. Yeah. Like, but the, oh, we're we're paddling, we're sliding, mm-hmm. we're floating on a raft. But it's like he's winning over the devil's kid, and the mm-hmm. kid is just a kid. And you've seen him with all this intensity, like right up before that. It's nice to kind of get that fresh of breath of fresh air, not a fresh of breast air. <laughs> you don't want a breath of fresh <laughs> breast air. <laughs> it's the first time we see uh, the kid smile in the yeah. whole film. So uh, he, he immediately goes from this weird little fuck to like, oh, he's actually a pretty cute kid. He's, a, he's an adorable child. And he's getting along well with his stepdad. And just as a dude, like that kind of gave me the warm fuzzies. Speaking of the water park, Not though. the kid, just the relationship with his father. <laughs> if I get warm fuzzies for a kid, somebody cut my dick off and shoot me in the face. <laughs> uh, why do you gotta be awkward? Um, I'm not good with emotions. Speaking of the water park, I forgot to write that down, actually. That was uh, a really powerful scene. Um, Gary takes Lucas to the water park because he thinks, well, it's it's verified. Lucas is definitely the Antichrist. Um, But he he thinks if he kills him on hallowed ground, it'll end the end of the world coming. The water park has been blessed by the Pope recently. <laughs> Apparently. And so Gary fills uh, Lucas's floaties with sand. Yeah. And Lucas, you know, goes sliding down the slide because he's like, oh, this is fun, whatever. And Gary has like a moment where he's like, oh, fuck, God, give me a sign. I don't know what I'm supposed to do because he's the kid's starting to grow on him. And then in the sky, a plane spells out the word love. And that's, that's a little that's a little cheesy. It's but, on my bad list. <laughs> but Gary goes flying down the slide after Lucas, and Lucas is just face down, floating at the bottom of the pool, and you get this really powerful scene of Gary grabbing Lucas and dragging him up to the gr- or up to the air. Yeah. And that's not the part that's cool. The part that's cool is you see the floaties individually drop down. Fall down. And then this weird, creepy goat puppet that Lucas has been using to mm-hmm. talk in a demonic voice the whole time just slowly drifts to the bottom and That was such a cool taps shot. the bottom of the pool and then it's like, Oh, like go away, devil. I wonder, um, if he's directed anything a bit more dramatic, because that was like a real deal shot like that. That was such a cool underwater shot. Yeah. I'd like to see more of that in something more serious. I'd be curious too what all the cinematographer has worked on because that was a really, really Is pretty that the job? shot. <laughs> Is it? It's a pretty shot. There was one. What do you know? <laughs> we found Kristen's, Kristen's, Kristen's pretty shot. <laughs> On to the homages. On to the homages. You're right. Yeah, I was, you had it. You had your beer tilted up on the cap, and I was like, "That's gonna fall over at any point." Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um. So yeah, the homages. The homage movie to end all homage movies. There are quite a and few. the important thing to notice between other films that we've watched in this film, because I am a lover of horror, and I can catch an homage from a fucking mile away um every homage in this movie has a purpose it plays into the story this is not like other homages where it's like oh well you went out of your way to do the shining you know like uh the last movie we watched exactly like you went out of your way to steal the fucking thing from independence day like it's, it's not like that at all we do get Two or three Shining references in this film. My favorite one being outside of after the clown has lit himself on fire and dies. Um, the father picking up his daughters at the park and then he like turns around. It's a really close shot of the twins grown up. They just stand there staring at him. They look so fucking creepy yeah. until the dad calls him and he's like, oh, hey, dad. You get that. You get rapture backwards like red rum and then you get a really cool shoot really cool shot of Lucas at the end of the hallway, which is um, the same twin scene, same Kubrick, uh, like turning a hallway into a V, and then the kids at the end of the hallway scene. But those are just the beginnings of the homages. What's your favorite one that they do? Is it The Shining? 
I don't know. We can run through them, and then I'll okay. I'll pick a favorite. <laughs> then we'll reassess. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and throw out my favorite. Uh, well, to be fair, pretty much the whole movie is an homage to Omen, so yeah. let's just go ahead and address right that. off the bat. <laughs> yeah. Lucas is Damien. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if Damien had a stepfather who really gave a shit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my favorite homage is hands down the poltergeist one. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Gary goes in to have a chat with uh, Lucas, I think, after yeah. the teacher kills herself. And he's like, oh, we'll, have, we'll turn this into a bonding experience. <laughs> and uh, Gary goes in to talk to him. And Lucas is just sitting there with the static TV with his hand, yeah. you know, just pressed against the TV. And it is a really pretty shot. Kristen, sucking pretty Just a neat shot. He walks in. Um, you know, the whole room is dark. All the lights are out. And you just see the silhouette of this kid, like, pressed up against the TV, and that'll never not be creepy. That was so fucking cool. <laughs> and then he turns the weird goat puppet and talks in a demon voice and tells him to get out. Yeah. And I would get the fuck out, too. And Gary <laughs> does, because Gary's not an idiot. <laughs> You've got the list. Mm. <laughs> I do have the list. Ghostbusters. The Ghostbusters one, uh, which was the Keymaster. Which I definitely thought was a Matrix reference. I thought it was a Matrix reference, too, and I'm not convinced that it's not a double because I believe there were some Matrix references. We were going off the IMDb, like, people that caught certain things, but we caught something, like, every five minutes where we were like, holy fuck, that thing. Oh, so I personally, it's not hardcore, but I personally felt a bit like the Carl, like, wedding video sequence was a little bit of a nod to the ring. And Twister. And definitely Twister, yeah. Because <laughs> the tornado ruins their wedding. Which is the Literally. weirdest thing that has ever happened to anyone. Um, but yeah, I, I, to me that felt slightly like a nod to the ring. Because he's like, I've got this videotape. You've got to come see yeah. again. Everybody knows you don't watch the videotape in a horror film. Yeah, and, and the background of the shot, if I remember correctly, was the claw bathtub. From uh... That was in the poltergeist scene. Whenever... Well, what was the He's claw, in the kid's the claw bathtub's nightmare, right? I don't remember. But the kid does weirdly have a very large room and a very large claw bathtub in his bathroom, so that's probably a nod to something. Is it not the ring that the, the, the ladies in the bath and the creepy Japanese kids start popping? Or is that Insidious? Maybe. I don't know. That's used in a lot of horror films. I don't know. That's probably a nod to just that, that gimmick in general. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, the kid does have a claw bathtub and that's kind of strange. I'm sorry. I thought they were related. No, you're fine. No, I, I, it's probably something I haven't seen in the ring in a while, though. <laughs> um, but he does pause Damien with the twister swirling behind him. And in the ring, she does pause Samara mm-hmm. uh, standing in front of the well. I think it's Samara. If it's I'm close wrong, if it's not right. If I'm wrong about her name, you can email me. At <laughs> Gmail, and you'll let me. Uh, the Exorcist. Uh, All over the goddamn place. <laughs> yeah. Um, Which the, one specifically was The Exorcist? The most notable is definitely the ending whenever he raises the table into the air and the table starts shaking and he's shouting... Pulling against his restraints because he's tight. That that one of all the homages might be the most cheesy. Yeah. Um, it's towards the end of the film. Not and... as necessary. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely, is it Linda Blair? It's definitely that mattress scene yeah. where the fucking bed hovers he five feet above the floor. Raises the altar into the air and he's also tied to it, <laughs> yanking against his restraints. So that one was a little more silly, but uh, that's definitely the most notable exorcist like, nod. This is my son. He's not the son of the devil. And in the background, the body just... <laughs> I was like, what's wrong with you? And everyone's like, uh... uh Goodfellas. Do you remember what the Goodfellas reference was? I loved the Goodfellas reference. I called it right in the minute. And for the life of me, I cannot remember what it is. But it was a reference to the scene where um, Joe Pesci's character gets killed and he walks into the room and all the people are walking in behind him and then he gets pinked in the back of the head and it's it's all over. Is it where they walk in to uh, the church at the end of the movie? What, now that I'm thinking of it, it might not even be the Goodfellas. I might be thinking about... Um, you did it's say a Pesci something. character. Was it Heat when he got... Did anybody get beaten with bats in this movie? No. There was a moment where I was like, that is Joe Pesci in... But there is a Goodfellas reference, which is Carl. 
and Carl uh, and uh, Gary are having the conversation. He goes, look, you're not trying to shoot the Goodfellas, but there was a direct Scorsese-esque shot in the film, and I've, it's completely gone. Thanks, uh, Dragon's Breath. <laughs> Ban, Montana Ale. <laughs> was he the one where they go to the club? Well, you, you said one last night when we were watching it. I think it was a Johnny Depp movie where they go to a club. Pulp Fiction? No. It's like him and his wife, he, they both think they're having an affair. Oh, fuck, no, but that's Stanley Kubrick. That's Eyes Wide Shut. That's another one that didn't get mentioned. Yeah, the whole death cult sex scene is straight out of Eyes Wide Shut, which you've never seen and we definitely have to watch because that's a Kubrick classic. Like, people talk about Clockwork Orange, The Shining, and Point Break Eyes also. Wide Shut. Um, when Point they Break, come in yeah, we mess. called Point Break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there were so many that were not on that list. We need to go update their list. <laughs> uh, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, Rosemary's Baby. Um, the concept of Rosemary's Baby, which is a Roman Polanski film. He was married to Sharon Tate, who was killed by the Charles Manson gang. Uh, And then he, I think, lives in France or something like that because he fucked a 14-year-old gymnast. But he made a film named Rosemary's Baby before all that happened Uh, in 1968, if I remember correctly, because I think Sharon was still alive at the time. But um, the concept of Rosemary's Baby is that Rosemary is taken by a satanic death cult and raped as a part of their occult thing to give birth to the Antichrist. So the whole um, origin story of Lucas in this film is directly an homage to Rosemary's Baby. That's the last one I have written down, but we did call quite a few on our own. Oh, we we called... uh, Are you sure? I thought we had six or seven. I mean, we probably... Blew through them all just now. eight. Yeah. No, this is the homage movie to end all homage movies, but they were pieced together in such a beautiful fashion that you, unless you're watching it and know that type of stuff, like, you're not going to catch them. Yeah. And mostly well done. Like I said, the the Exorcist one at the tail end was a little cheesy, but the rest of them... It's cheesy, but again, it's a comedy horror film so like i'll give you the nod to the people that are not paying attention yet (laughs) i almost wonder that's maybe me just reaching into my nerd heart if uh the end scene at the pit where the kid's about to fall in and he's holding him is a nod to sam and frodo the lord of the rings might be (laughs) because he's like i'm not leaving you could be that could be the lion king i don't know One of them definitely dies in that because he's shoved down there. But uh, there's that whole scene where Sam carries Frodo into the the heart of Mount yeah. Doom because he won't leave him behind. And uh, Gary's hanging on to Damien. He's like, if you're going, I'm going. Like, I'm not leaving you behind. So they both fall into the pit. Another so. beautiful scene because the fire passes over the two of them because he's holding on, which is like an agreement between him and the devil. The backwards Latin, which was basically take care of my son <laughs> through fire and brimstone, was yeah. like shaking hands with the devil. The flogging of the father. We we might not even have time for the bads. <laughs> the fa- no, he wasn't the father. He was just one of the exes. Because uh, the father was the satanic cult. He was just the only ex that lived. His name was Gabriel, though, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought Gabriel was the biological father. Mm-hmm. Are you mm-hmm. sure? Yeah, he was just uh, the only ex that lived. Oh. All the other exes I died. I, and... thought, I thought that was the dad, and he was the only ex that lived. Mm-hmm. No, he's, I, I could be wrong, but I, I didn't get that impression from yeah. the movie. But... A lot of biblical references in general in this movie. Very fucking smart. So we've done 48 minutes of good, which is a record (laughs) for a two-star Tuesday. Normally we make it 20 (laughs) minutes. Um, So do we have a couple of bads? I've got three, and I'm probably going to tell you how great the movie is while doing those three. I also have three, um, and two of them are a bit reaching. One of them... Is also a bit reaching, but a little more in-depth. Um, so my first one, somewhat predictable moments. Uh, goes a mill, uh, flies out of the car after Gary makes a very pointed 
conversation about the fact that we should wear seatbelts. Yeah. So there are moments. Which was in the a movie. callback to fucking zombie land. <laughs> <laughs> so there are, there are moments in the movie where it's like, oh, that dude's definitely about to die, yeah. you know? But it was still funny and well done. Like, I definitely knew he was about to die, but you still get that whole moment where he's passing on the knife <laughs> and he's comically long death and it's like, it's, you have to carry, you know, the. It's Brad Williams, right? Is that the name of the actor? Remember. Yeah. I don't remember. He's a. a Little person, I think, is the current political correct term. I was going to um, let you go with whichever one you wanted to go with. <laughs> I think that's the current <laughs> political correct term. So he's he's a, a famous little person. Yeah. Acts in uh, various things. I can't think of anything that he's done offhand. And if we're butchering his he's name, he's a comedian. Sorry. I think he's a stand-up. But is he? Yeah. I, I believe so. Yeah. But a hilarious character because he's a. Uh, when they first find him, he's. Working in Bethlehem, <laughs> the Pennsylvania. town, the town of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, at like a end of the world supply store type thing, and then he's helping it's like this a military little, surplus. He's helping this little old lady load up her car, and he's got this bazooka and all this crazy shit he's tossing in there. And I was like, "Careful, you're gonna squish the bread." And he's like, "There's no time." He's like just chucking shit that's bigger than he is into the back of a van. <coughs> Yeah, I guess that's my, my reach at a bad. There were semi-predictable moments in the film that you could kind of see where it was going. And I I assumed when they went to the water park they were going to bond. I didn't really know where that was going to end. And yeah. I, I liked the way that they ended that water park sequence with, like I said, the puppet and the sandbags hitting the end of the pool and like stuff. Like, even the but, idea that he had to kill the kid is brilliant, you know? Like... I don't want to say killing a kid is ever brilliant, but sandbags and down a water slide, like he's going to have a blast and then he's going to drown to death. <laughs> I didn't expect the kid to willingly leap down the slide, so yeah. they caught me off guard with that when I thought he was going to shove him down and then have that internal struggle of, fuck, what did I just do? But mm-hmm. he's like having that, fuck, what did I just, or what am I doing moment? And then the kid dives down the slide yeah. and he's like, oh God. And while we're talking about that, so I can bang off my first one as well. Um, no, we already covered my first one. You covered it in the goods. Love in the sky. <laughs> a a bit cheesy. on the nose for how smart the rest of the film is. Like you... God, give me a sign. If he looked up and like there was a Navy pilot drawing a dick above the water park, I would have pissed myself laughing. Maybe I would not. have lost my mind. Maybe not something that absurd, but yeah, they could have turned. Well, that the Navy into a did joke. that recently in 2017. <laughs> I think that's exactly when they did it. It would have been the perfect time for the joke. But he looked up and he goes, "Oh, they're spelling love with fighter jets right over the top of my brain." <laughs> yeah, that that one. That was a little weak for, yeah, I'll agree how clever the rest of the movie was. But we covered that in the goods, so I, I owe myself my first of my three remaining bads. Go for it. Um, I get that it's a comedy, but the relationship between Samantha and Gary is wonky as fuck from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I don't buy this it's dude. He's hard. Yeah, he's never met the kid where did you keep the kid every other time this dude came around? You married him that fast. He's the stepfather in the situation. What's his history like that? I don't want development of all the other characters because I get that a lot of the other characters are passive, hilarious characters. But this is two of your three main characters. Or that he married her without her ever acknowledging who the father of her child was. Yeah, but... Like she literally wouldn't tell him. I'd be like, we need to be able to trust each other before yeah. we get married. Wait, like, I need to know who little fucking crazy dude is. What happened to the last four boyfriends? <laughs> but, you know, again, flip side of the coin, leads to the hilarious moment where they're talking about their first time having sex and she relays that she was raped by an occultist gang. <laughs> she seems pretty chill about it. She's like, yeah, so I went to this party and then She's they, like, smeared, Don't overreact. Yeah, they smeared goat's blood on me. And No, she said warm red body paint. <laughs> Which is definitely blood. <laughs> this warm red body paint. So yeah, I have an issue with it, but again, it <laughs> redeems itself. What do you got? Uh, the ending, which not super mad about, but uh, fiery pit of hell or the well, just, derby race just car. Just the part. last um twenty-ish minutes or so, like we hit the a part point. when they go to blow up the nunnery. That's the part <laughs> you have the problem. No, with? I'm not. I'm not saying that I, I'm. I'm mad about it. And again, like I said, these are kind of reaching uh, bads, but we hit a point where 
which I'm sure that's on your bad, they started the film with the end of the film. I want to get to that. But yeah, we'll yes, get to continue. that. <laughs> and so when we hit about that level of the story, I was like, we still have quite a bit of film left. Like, yeah. I know we have quite a that's bit of film left. where I went and smoked a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, and um, they upped the ante on the absurdity level quite a bit mm. in the last 20-ish minutes or so. And it, it wasn't to the extent that I was like, Oh, this is stupid. Like, I was still laughing, still very much enjoying the film, but the film took a bit of a turn in the yeah. last 20, where turns out Child Services Lady is actually one of the bad guys, and the Preacher is one of the bad guys, and it's this weird occult thing, and we've got to go deal with that. And it's like, oh, we've took a very sharp turn the other yeah. direction. We could have just hit that when Child Services comes in after the water park. We don't need the scene where he's coming home. And the child protection ladies there. Like, just hit it with it that one time. And then we're like, oh shit, the kid just got kidnapped. Well, I don't, I don't know what the way to address that is. Because, again, it wasn't so much so that I was like, I'm, I'm bothered by this. It was just kind of like, oh, we've taken this turn. Yeah. And it's still pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, like, the whole the kid being kidnapped, the mom being kidnapped. We've got to go stop this occult. And then there's a weird fire pit in the old abandoned church yeah. for some reason like it just it took a bit of a turn but it was still fun it just you could feel the mood yeah, in the film it shifting just dove into it fucking head first yeah. like we're diving into the absurd um yeah so i guess i'll go into the fucking i don't understand why they opened with the coffin shot and that might be the missing amount of time that would have made this film cohesive. If they would have saved that shot for when that shot was coming, all the jokes before would have been equally hilarious. And I would have got to see Samantha run out and not really give a shit that her husband's being buried by her son. She's like, don't overreact. Yeah. Like, I don't need to see the exact same scene twice. It, it, all it does is tells me that we're building to a scene in which the kid buries him. So it takes all the surprise away. Yeah. Like, if they would have just started moment one, you just run in there, the kid has talked the teacher out the window via suicide. Um, and then he buries his dad later. It's equally as hilarious. Yeah. I had mixed feelings about it because it was a funny way to open the film. It was a brilliant way to open the film. But at the same time, when you finally get to that scene, because it's an hour, yeah, it's boring. Plus I know he's not going to die. Yeah, it's an, it's a while into the film. Yeah, watching it the second time around does not yeah. have the same effect. But how cool is that transition? Because I can't give a negative without a positive on this movie of <laughs> the "Do Not Enter" sign being one week later. Oh yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, um, <laughs> Or one week earlier. If, if you're yeah. going to literally spell the words out, that was neat. I think a car drives by the sign, doesn't it? Yeah. And then after the car drives by, the sign says one week earlier. Yeah, so he's that driving to the school because the teachers died. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So that was a neat way to do that, for sure. But yeah, I, I had mixed feelings about that. It was a very funny, like I chuckled at it the first time I saw it, but the second time it was like, eh, I already know what's happening. It's like, snip, 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 I know he's not going to die. Why are you building all this weird tension right mm -hmm. here? Because I know how this turns out I know out the punchline. I want a divorce. Yeah. Um, interesting to have them have that big fight, though. Spinning this back into a positive, like where he cusses her out and says the kid's crazy and yeah. he's the antichrist and he wants a divorce and then he's got to come back and be like i'm sorry can i take the kid so i can go drown him in the park <laughs> of course mom doesn't know that <laughs> um do you have any bads left i'm down to my last i'm down to my last okay um my final bad doubles is one of my goods um the fact that it is such a star-studded cast i wonder um do a lot of the characters that should have had a bit more depth lose some of their depth? Um, I think we combined our bads. <laughs> um, there are a lot of characters that are just funny cardboard characters yeah. that are fine just being funny cardboard characters. Like, Al isn't terribly developed. You do get to meet her kid, and that's kind of a nice insight to her life. But um, she's not a character that's hardcore developed, and you don't necessarily need her to be. She's mm -hmm. just the funny companion. But there are... Like, the main characters, Gary, Samantha, and Lucas, don't get a ton of development themselves. And then this whole friend cast that's, like, willing to 
give up their lives and just accept this kid's the Antichrist and we're all going to go to the like massively packed occult church to take on this cult um, and potentially die doing it. Like there's a little too much acceptance into the reality of this film for characters we have never seen actually bond with each other. That is my final bad uh, to tag on with yours is that I wanted to see so much more of that therapy group. They were fucking hilarious. Turk was there. (laughs) (laughs) And it does go from this. So we had a meeting. And this all happens within like a week and a half. So like we had a meeting. We went to your son's birthday party. A clown died. We've acknowledged that it's the Antichrist. Everybody leaves. No, the clown didn't die. He just got fucked the fuck up. Yeah. Got fucked the fuck up. Uh, so the crowd gets fucked the fuck up. And everybody splits off except for Al. Uh, Al and Gary go off. They do their own thing. And then at the end, they're all like, let's go blow up a nunnery. But they haven't talked to each other in four days. Yeah. They've only known each other for eight days. Like, like I, I wonder... I want a lot more of that relationship. You had a lot more seats in the van. Bring the whole therapy group along to help you win back your stepson. Yeah, I, I, I do wonder if the fact that they tried to pack so many different actors who had like I said these accomplished careers Mm -hmm. who brought their own insights and comedy to the script made all of them a little too cardboard um and that that is my only very serious complaint is when you try to put so much into a film everything as a byproduct gets lessened yeah so if they had had one or two less characters we could have seen the characters that were still left a little more in depth than we got to and yeah, no relationships are really ever built. Because we're sitting on like nine main characters and that's a lot to juggle all at once. And Al is the one character we see the most and hands down my favorite character and I'm not taking anything away from Bridget. Like very hilarious performance. Like I'm glad she was in the movie as much as she was but there are equally accomplished hilarious talented actors in this film that it was just kind of like ah like there you are who are you again i don't well there you are again yeah what was your relationship yeah. there turk i forgot <laughs> <laughs> i forgot where to find you <laughs> and that that little first therapy session is actually pretty funny they're all bonding over how terrible their stepchildren yeah. are <laughs> so it is a, a funny little play between each mine other. took a shit in my sock drawer <laughs> <laughs> I won't take a shit in his backpack. <laughs> Goddamn crystal Lee. <laughs> so, yeah. I... Means I had a vanity mirror on top of the dresser, which means he had to look at himself taking a shit in my sock drawer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You got anything left, love? No, but that's my, my major takeaway. It's a, a damn funny film. Damn Good film, this very is well a done. Brilliant fucking time, yeah. But if I had one serious let's try to learn something moment, is sometimes less really is more. If we had had fewer actors, all of those actors could have had bigger roles and mm-hmm. we could have developed them a bit more and had just a more well rounded relationship between everyone in the movie, and we didn't get that. The only relationship building moment was literally Gary and Lucas at the park. That's mm-hmm. the only time we get to see any of the characters like really a true bond. emotional connection. Yeah. And, um, outside of when the little person went out the window, <laughs> Gary and Al had a holy fuck. We just killed a midget moment. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Gary and Al <laughs> did have a bit of a moment too, but even no Gary and Al's moments when they come to the house, the kids on the swing and I was like, all right, well, uh, <laughs> I'm good out. luck with that <laughs> that was hilarious <laughs> like Gary and Samantha they're married and Samantha seems to spend more time bitching at him in the yeah. movie than they get along and he talks about how great she is and he bends to all of her requests and her and her friend are down there referring to him as an idiot because he can't <laughs> tuck the child in like I don't see really any positives in their yeah. marriage well that, that that's my issue with them as a couple but Ready to eat some quesadillas? I am. Well, I got a shower and then quesadillas. Want to go blow up a nunnery? No. 
Thanks, though. We live in Montana. Not a lot of Catholics. <laughs> it would take you us. You want to punch some people in church? I'm down. That would probably still take us a minute. There's a lot of space between these people. Oh my god. No, oh, it's a fun fucking movie. You guys should definitely go watch it. I forgot for a second that we were recording a podcast. I got lost in your eyes. <laughs> so beautiful. So effervescent. So bad at directions. <laughs> but if you guys uh, have any films that you'd like us to watch or any thoughts on this current film, uh, you can hit us up on our email account at nightmareboxproductions at gmail. Or swing on over to the Facebook and hit us up over there at Facebook.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. If you want to take any pictures of you blowing up any nuns, you can do that on Instagram. Over. <laughs> <laughs> I am not legally responsible for your decisions. At Nightmare Box Productions. Or go over on the Twitter and uh, you can do that. At, <laughs> at Nightmare Box Pro. Uh, you can go over to YouTube.com slash Kristen Pennington. And you can watch The Dolls, which is the film that I wrote and Kristen directed. We don't blow up a nunnery, but we do chainsaw down a door. We do do that, and we do actually kill a child with the same chainsaw. So, you know, good luck with it. Um, or you can go over to the website at... TheNightAirBox.blog. And that film is going to be in the top right-hand corner. At the bottom right-hand corner, you're going to find The Madman Diaries, $10. I'll send it to you anywhere you are in the world. I don't care if it costs $15 to ship it to you. Send me 10 bucks to tell me you love me. And uh, did, we, did I get them all? Yeah. Or did you get them all when I listed them all? <laughs> you want yeah. my LinkedIn? um definitely if you want to see specific films hear us talk about specific topics we're gonna i think in the next episode try to assign a homework assignment we will be assigning a homework assignment so uh on friday yeah uh reach out to us talk to us we'd love to hear from you guys um it's been a super incredible ride with you guys. We're in multiple states, multiple countries. We'd really love to hear from you guys, connect with you guys directly. So questions, comments, complaints, what the fuck ever you have, um, we'd love to hear from you. I love you guys. I love you, sweetheart. I love you. And I love you. And we'll talk to you on Friday. Let's go blow up a nunnery.